You're listening to Adam AMD GED. Underground Cartoon Therapy. Mother's Day Edition. Oh. Oh man, this song fucking rocks. I found my exact feelings expressed in a greeting card. You created me, Mom, so I guess you're to blame. For the love that I feel just from hearing your name, you're as tender as corned beef and warm as pastrami. I love my mommy. (laughs) Oh man. What's up, guys? Happy fucking Mother's Day. Well, my mom decided to go ahead and give you guys the gift for Mother's Day and talk about her outlaw years as a teenager. All this is going to lead up to uh, some heavier shit here in the future, man. But she wanted to call it the formative years and talk about where it really started. You wouldn't believe some of the shit that's on this fucking episode, man. But you're gonna fucking hear it. Because my mom's a fucking outlaw. And she's a fucking badass. Alright, guys, well... I'm gonna smoke some fucking orange blossom fizz from fucking down in Boulder. <laughs> and we're gonna have a fucking hell of a good show. Happy fucking Mother's Day to all the dads and moms, motherfuckers. Uh oh. We'll be right the fuck back. Table. Have I ever lied to you? 
defied you in your whole career. I'm giving you one piece of bad advice. Treatment means to divide. Good. I want you to leave Metro. My wonderful friends. Leave Metro. Your pictures one after another are losing money. Who made me stop? Theater owners voted you box office poison. Are you in front of me? Oh shit, we now return. Let me do a fucking sound I test. I need to drop the bass in, please, not. Oh yeah, what, what happened with that? They catch me all the time sneaking on and off the fucking bass and bring me to my daddy's house. Oh yeah? In that, yeah. Where was that at? In Sierra Vista, and he was stationed at Fort Huachuca. And that's the yeah. Superstition Mountains, Mom? No, that's the middle of the Arizona Sonora Desert. Oh. Where you learn how to play with a rattlesnake. That's where you learned how to milk snakes for anti-venom? Well, I learned how to catch them. And then I got to thinking about what I could put that what kind of positive use I could do. And something told me to go talk to the herpetologist at the college. And they said, man, we always need certain kinds of poisonous snake venom every year for the hunters. Because at least one or two of these fools is going to get bit. Yeah. And I said, well, well, you know what kind do you I can catch her and set up some terrariums and actually milk them for Huh. I mean, snake handlers too. So you, you... Sure I don't let none of them hit me in the face. <laughs> but you were just never scared of snakes? You didn't think they were just like... You were never scared of them, huh? Why not? They're just another critter. Well, some people do have those phobias, you know, like arachnophobia and all that shit, you know? I have that now. 
Have you ever saged a spider? A couple times. Yeah. They'll protect your property after that. That's a trick. Yeah. <laughs> but you learned how to, you learned on your own just how to handle snakes when you were a kid. They were poisonous snakes. Pretty much. Pretty much. I was curious about them. And my granny bought me all the National Geographic books on them. And in Texas, you can find all kinds of snakes. And there's an area in Galveston where you can actually find maybe king cobras and shit every so often. Yeah. They, during that big hurricane in the early 1900s, they killed all them people. They had a herpetology place there that studied snakes and had snakes on display to the public for a small fee to keep themselves going, you know. Oh. And uh, that place got tore up from the floor of the snake to be over. Holy shit. And they interbred some of them. There's all kinds of weird snakes out there. They interbred you can interbreed snakes. Some of them can, which kind of got surprised to be but huh. some of them can, some of them can. So you were making, you had a good hustle off this, right? Yeah, actually, I'd make me a couple hundred a month, easy, just doing nothing. Yeah. Taking a walk and seeing what I could get. The list of lizards, bugs, and snakes. Do you feel like, you know, how did, this was all leading into like you being an outlaw on some level? Well, I learned to live off the land, which was the skill that I needed. Yeah. To be an outlaw. And we were talking things that helped form me into the grandma better punk I am. Yeah. And that's one of them. I could hunt or fish wherever I went. So it was harder for people to, to jack me up because I'd just go throw a hook in, in some line and some water and fucking catch me a fish and cook that motherfucker up. Yeah. You know? <laughs> the old saying goes, fuck them and feed them fish. <laughs> <laughs> and we both have the skills you... Tie them to the chair and make them listen to the fish out. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't fished in a while. <laughs> Neither have I. Oh, Lord. I'm going to have all the fish heads fucking getting a hold of me now. <laughs> <laughs> blowing up my Facebook page I just know it they love you it'll be good to say hi to someone I wanted to give the shout out too to a guy named Chewy out there he's in Utah and he had he was really sincere and contacted me mom and I guess the guys heard every episode I've done up to date cool <clears throat> and he gave me a compliment particularly on one that is in the ne neglection file, you know, there's a, all these episodes that just kind of sit there dormant, you know, yeah. 
they got no love. But uh, the one was called the Warm Line episode, and that's when I recorded all the Warm Lines, and I recorded all the Warm Lines to see which one was the, because I called the 10 worst, and I wanted to see if it was true. But uh, the results were astounding. You guys can go back and look at, listen to that. And I think that was the one. And so we're going to end up doing a Utah Salt Lake City episode. How's that sound? Salt Lake City I'm punk. Road trip. I'm always up. We're fucking going on a road trip, Mom. We're going to fucking Salt Lake. It's going to be awesome. And uh, that'll be the end of it, you know, right? Well, fuck. <laughs> no, this guy loved us. He knew everything, and he thanked he thanked me for everything I was doing on the show. And I was like, "Hey, tch. I've been waiting for that response." We got another couple a week before that out, and uh, want to give a shout out to the Peoria, Illinois couple, and uh, you know, just be like, "Hey, that's what's going on." And we're still doing the fucking job, huh, Mom? It's an ongoing process. It really fucking is, man. Everybody needs a grandma. Yep. At this point in their life. And not everybody has access to But now you guys do. My mom's put herself out there, you know. She said you can contact her. And if you got a story, you know, we always leave the details at the end of the fucking show. I usually do. I'm usually pretty good about it. Yeah. You know, but we're on Anchor. And uh, (laughs) they do, you know, they asked me to do a sponsorship ad for them, and I did. And I was like, you know, Anchor's okay for beginner stuff, you know. And I think that's what this has all been for us is very experimental platform, huh, Mom? It seems to be having either way it's adverse, you know, and it's like a new form of help we're trying to develop here because we just talk real. We're fucking real people. This is how you would fucking talk on the street. Whatever, dude. Don't act like you're so fucking... Oh, he says fuck like every other fucking minute. It's like, go fuck yourself. Are you listening to what the fuck I'm saying? FPMs, Mom. Yeah, FPMs. We got that from the Trailer Park Boys. That's going to be an episode coming up, too. When I first started playing my guitar around Texas, going around the the honky-tonks and the ice houses and shit, I saw all kinds of weird shit, too. Yeah? Yeah. And when I was up there outside of Boulder and Neverland, I had a good time. I was taking tourists around on a, uh, 
What'd you say, though, Mom? Where was it? In Nederland, Colorado, right about Santa Monica. That's cool. That's where I'm at right now. You know that, right? <laughs> That's what I thought you said. I was like... Yeah. There's one like an abandoned one in the back property of where I'm at. And they had two square windows or whatever, and it, and they put a Z next to it, so it says zoo. Wow. Yeah, little things like that all over this. I'm like, well, Heather was already on the show for a minute, so Heather, what's the name of the fucking highway that we're on? Peak to Peak Highway. But she took me on the cool fucking secret passageway that fucking shows like this other like secret highway kind of thing. It's like unpaved. And I got to see the whole fucking like quarter of the fucking state. That's the old peak to peak highway. That's the old peak to peak highway. And it's just a dirt road that runs alongside the peak. So there you go. That's where I'm at. It is fucking beautiful fucking land up here. You get nights like last night that were totally clear, and you can just see the cosmos. And I mean, you're two miles closer to outer space than where you're at right now, Mom. She didn't mean no harm. Oh, she didn't mean no harm. She just heard that she heard you say you were in Netherlands, and she couldn't wait to like respond to it. And it was a natural reaction. She wasn't doing anything malicious, you know. Yeah. But uh. Every summer for like three years, because I'd keep going back no matter where I was at, whether I was at home or had run away, I'd still show up there during the summer and work the trail rides for Hey, hold on one second, okay? I'm going to test this. Welcome back to the show, guys, and happy Mother's Day, and I'm with my favorite fucking person, my fucking mom. How you doing, mom? I'm all right. Well, <laughs> I figured this would be a good a good day to uh, put out that episode, those that series you were talking about. Oh, uh, yeah. What was it called again? Um, Grandma Gutterpunk, The Formative Years. The Formative Years. Well, this is the first episode of that, and we're going to focus on your teen outlaw years. Yeah, because I was rowdy from the gate. I kept running away from home and everything because I was getting sexually molested and abused mentally and physically at the house. So I kept running for freedom and every so often they'd catch me and jerk me back. But I could have an adventure while I was gone. I know what it's like too that total fear of trying to escape and not being able to escape. Oh, I know. Every time they catch me and jerk me back, I'd have that feeling of, damn, when am I going to get loose again, you know? That was my real dad doing that shit, chasing me down the road. I think I got even a mile from him one time on foot. But that motherfucker well, just I kept trekking. To, uh, my granny and my mom and my aunt Robbie the one that's in Hawaii, took custody of me at one point in time. Yeah. And uh, 
me and my aunt were slinging pills to all the shrimpers on the Gulf Coast. Just like uppers or whatever, just to stay awake? Yes, yeah, so they could do their work, and then when they come into port, they'd want a downer to put them to sleep. So it was a steady mixture of, like, one intensity yeah, or like another. 50,000 pills at a time. <coughs> That's a lot. In Mexico, and my aunt would braid my hair in little pigtails, and I'd dress up in a little Catholic schoolgirl's outfit, and I'd walk the pills back across the border. Because nobody's going to search a kid. Yeah. You know, I'd declare a few little leather purses and knickknacks that I picked up for the kids at school or the teachers as gifts. They had you as, they, they had you muling. You were an elementary school mule. Oh, but I was so much more than a mule because my aunt would pick me up on the other side and we'd go off. And take care of business. All right? Yeah. And uh, this one time we were coming back and we stopped at a nightclub because she was going to buy me my first real drink, you know? Yeah. As a matter of fact, I had a black Russian because we didn't trust the milk for a white Russian. So I had a black Russian that I sipped on. And I thought it was just incredible and the best tasting thing in the world, you know. The White Russian. Having never had my own free legal drink before. <laughs> you know, that's yeah, Big Lebowski's favorite drink, too, I think. Yeah, I wasn't going around drinking the tail end of everybody's drinks after a cocktail party. Oh, that's, a, yeah. I remember those guys. <laughs> <laughs> I remember those yeah. people. Yeah, but anyway, the Federales got on our tail for some reason, and they were chasing us, and my aunt chose to take the shortcut back to the ranch, but when we ran out, I managed to dive in the back of the ranchero, and she got up front and was driving, and I'm looking around the bed to see what all we got in there. And I seen one of Grandpa's hand grenades in my aunt hollering at me, create a diversion, create a diversion. Jesus. So I said, all right. I said, swing past the gas station. And when she did, I lobbed a hand grenade back there. Oh, and then I grabbed the 12-gauge shotgun. And for me to shoot it at that age and that size, I had to brace myself against the back of the ranchero. The fucking kick on that fucking thing, right? Feet on the two wheel well, because the kick on the fucking gun, right? Yeah. That's fucking they're awesome. Shooting at them, and they're shooting back, and until they all stop at the gas station, and then we run over the bridge, and we're home free. We get the ranchero back in the barn. And we're inspecting it for damages, and here comes Grandpa. Frying <laughs> 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 pan into the fire. <laughs> Fucking just fucked your ass, right? He beat our asses and made us pull every bullet hole out and bondo that bitch and fucking spot paint it. <laughs> Grandma wouldn't notice right away till he could get it to make up. Oh, man. <laughs> That's a story, Mom. He had us, 
he had it, man. He seen us high telling it for the barn, and he had it. He didn't worry about the pills or nothing. Uh, Aunt Robbie just said there was a kerfuffle at the nightclub when they shined the spotlight on us, and uh, they, they, we were on the, we had to run back ahead of the set of violence, you know. But now they were on your radar, right? She white she whitewashed it and didn't even mention us blowing up the gas station. Oh. Right? But grandpa counted his pineapples later and found one missing. And he called me in there because by her not mentioning it, he said, Let me ask the other one. <laughs> oh wow. That was the <laughs> And I couldn't lie to him. I said, yeah, Grandpa, I had to use it. I didn't have no choice. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't happy. Well, he'd much rather I'd have used it than we'd have got shot. He'd much rather the truck got shot up than us. So he was happy in that fact. But we still had to fix the truck and do the punishment for our crime. Of course, later on, we managed to get to the pills and get them out and uh, take them out and make our deliveries. So we were happy. Yeah. No, that's good. So you, <laughs> what did it feel we like? Around. We had a little place in Edinburgh for a while, me and her on our own. <clears throat> yeah. And uh, we would sit around and throw weed at each other. <laughs> that's what she put she put a pound of weed in front of me and told me I wasn't getting up until it was rolled and everything that didn't meet her her specifications got torn up and thrown back in the pile. Wow. That's pretty uh, strict. That's some strict rolling. <laughs> I learned how to roll, though. you got to admit, I can roll anything with anything. Do you think if you would have had that cigarette roller back then, you would have just used that thing? I don't know. She might not have let me cheat like that. That fucker but wasn't I'm around sure yet, though. But I was sure tried. <laughs> I mean, it make the fucking job the easier. Rollers back then, they were fancier, though, because I used to roll my great-grandpa's cigarettes whenever I was at great-grandma and great-grandpa. But that was like a luxury item, right? Well, no, he smoked rollies because they were cheaper, but he had a nice rolling machine, and he'd always get one of us kids to sit there and roll for him. Oh, yeah? That's kind of cool. He'd be sharpening saw blades and shit in his little shop out in the garage to get away from Grandmommy Mae. <laughs> They were going grandma at it. Grandma, but great grandma was great grandma or grandma. That was a lot different, huh? Do you remember what you guys did for Mother's Day back then? Uh, Mother's Day was always a big dinner and family pictures of all the women in the family, as many generations as we could get together for the big. Nice. Not necessarily for the dinner, but for a picture later on. Like an Olin Mills style? Yeah. Because we'd all do lunches with our respective mothers at like Piccadilly's or someone. 
you know. Did you really like that when you were a kid? Yep. I loved going to Piccadilly's because I got fried okra. Oh, that's nice. And the only other time I got fried okra was when I was at Grandma Smith. And she'd make fried okra for me. And she made the best fried okra with rough ground cornmeal and bacon grease. Wow. That's like... (laughs) That's archaic soul food right there, Mom. Oh, man. That was to die for. And waking up at her house in the morning with a pile of buttered toast out the oven and not out of toaster because she didn't own one. And uh, she'd make a whole sheet pan full of toast. And sometimes she'd make cinnamon toast. And other times she'd just give you the buttery toast and some dewberry jelly. Which was like a form of blackberry jelly. And I loved it. Oh, my God. You know what that reminds me of? What I'm fucking smoking right now. Smoking some in a minute. I'm smoking. Another cigarette and get me a cup of coffee. This episode's brought to you by Magnolia Road in Boulder, by the way. And I am smoking a high level sativa called Orange Blossom Fizz, which is just about as sedative and and can get rid of that PTSD as fast as it. If you guys get PTSD in the morning and you're a sativa smoker like I am, because Indica puts me in the fucking couch, man, and then I'm useless. I, I might even start crying because I'm that depressed. But a sativa, sativa brings me up. There's sometimes I need Indica for the pain, though. Indica's good for pain, pain, physical pain. Generally, I like to have both kinds and be able to make a custom blend for however I'm feeling. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm also hosting this show... With a new co-host today, Mom. We're trying her out. Oh, yeah? Yeah, she's a two-year-old Great Dane, half Ah, Great Dane uh, Bull Mastiff uh, mix. And her name is Birdie. Right here, waiting to tell her what to do. She makes our our second uh, canine uh, host for the show. (laughs) Right now, she's out chasing stuff because they have this uh, where I'm at. It's a very large perimeter on a, on the top of a mountain. The weather has not been seasonal. It it just acts according to the clouds that move through it. I thought you were gonna say a very large doggy door. <laughs> no, she'll she when she's outside and she wants in, she'll just she'll tell you she's very talkative. And she knows how to talk on some level, you know? Like cinnamon. Right? Like cinnamon tits? Yeah. Just like <laughs> cinnamon tits. <laughs> she'll come bark at the door when she wants in. Yep, she'll go chase you for like two hours, and then she's like, all right, I've had my time. That's exactly what's going on the fuck up here, so dogs do have their own world like that. But I think only humans acknowledge Mother's Day the way that we do. Good old cinnamon tits. Cinnamon tits. You want to go outside? 
And you guys out there in Podzine land, this is my little family. You know, it's not just my mom. We got the Colonel. We got Cinnamon. We got dogs living next door that are initial family. We got cats by the dozens coming up to my mom's porch at night all day. Cow, cow next door. And, and, There's uh, a whole animal farm that just lives around here. Oh, uh, yeah, no, I want to get a goat. Yeah, that's the next one. I mean, now that Aisha moved out, <laughs> you got to substitute her for something. I might get me some goats to put out in Mississippi. Did she move out already? You across the way? Huh? Did Aisha move out? Not yet. Oh, I know you're fucking I'm waiting for that. My breath. She finally signed her leave, but she ain't never moved. It's kind of weird. I guess it's because she's just. She did, she's just waiting for somebody to magically give her a fucking ride, probably. Well, Who knows? She's so grateful to B, and B's got a, a pickup truck and a trailer. I wonder what the problem is. Well, you'd think you'd want to get the fuck out of there if you got a new place. Especially if you upgraded. Well, she's been hateful to him over the years, and they got a lot of bad blood between them. But if she offered him some money, I'm sure he'd probably see his way through to do it. Yeah. And maybe her boyfriend don't want to pay for it. <laughs> Can you blame him? I don't know. I feel sorry for the poor guy. <laughs> She's just one of these people that just has that particular mental illness, and it's a very, you do have to be able to have some level of, levels of empathy for her. She finally broke down and told me that she's bipolar. And I like that she did that, you know, after years of harassing you. Yeah. It would have been easier right at the beginning for her to say, hey, I'm bipolar, I'm probably going to harass you, don't pay attention to it. <laughs> you know? That's what I try to tell people. Hey, I'm mentally ill. I'm fucked in the head. And if they don't get it after that and they berate me, which happens frequently, uh, which you can even hear on the Blame Game episode, which I don't suggest to anybody to go back and really listen to today because it's fucking remnants of Captain Buzzkill and the Bringdowns. And I don't really like that fucking band. You know? So I'd rather just keep it positive today. You know, and keep uh, the mom love and all the negative shit. And I and we're gonna tell you guys out there too. Nobody fucking feels negative shit more than me and my mom here. Okay, but you guys have to do the same thing we have to do. We have to work at it. That's why we're making these community service shows. And in reality, me and my mom don't get paid shit off this man. I pay her out of my pocket, huh, mom? And I keep her on because people love her, and she's been very medicinal for a lot of people. But, you know, we, we both have had to be fucking criminals to get to this point of of maturity and, and understanding what hurts people and, like, that we don't want to be those people that are hurting people that at all, really, but, you know... 
<clears throat> when you have to protect and defend. The only people I hurt anymore are pedophiles and serial killers. And there's enough of them out there that they ain't really men. That's what I kept telling my gangbanger fucking uh, neighbor in Carbondale before I left there, Mom. I know. I wanted a piece of him. I was like, if these guys, he thought the upstairs neighbors were killing. And you guys can go back and listen to the IHOP episode with Josh. But I totally talk about it live in IHOP. <laughs> but in reality, it was, it, <laughs> it was fucked up. And I don't know what, I thought he was just schizoaffective, Mom. I thought he was schizoaffective. I really didn't want to call. He probably did need to call, to be called on. And he busted yeah. in my house with a damn gun. When I told yeah. you that, you about fucking... Whew, I could feel your circuits melting over the phone. Yeah. That shit wasn't uh, fucking flying with my mom, man. Don't try to fuck with me, guys, out there, man. My mom's going to fuck you up. I was ready to go out to the farm, pick up my shotgun and a paw full of bullets, and hop a train. I just grew up with so many weak people. And this this guy, <laughs> he, he was no exception. And to have that fucking kind of paranoia, to think that your upstairs neighbors are serial killers... I told him straight up. I was like, motherfucker, if those guys were serial killers, I'd kill them. I ain't living in no fucking building with Henry Lee Lucas or John Wayne Gacy fucking Jr. over here, okay? Yeah. That shit ain't fucking happening, homie. He didn't get it. And he kept thinking I was with them. And all I was doing was buying these fucking shitty little 20 bags from his ass the whole fucking time. Because Illinois state law on can the one cannabis club in fucking, it's like forty bucks for a fucking gram. Ridiculous, man. It's yeah, it's ridiculous. Every place they've legalized it, it's gone up in price. But at least the money's going for schools and infrastructure. They want you to think that anyway. I don't know how much I even believe in that shit. Well, that depends. I, yeah. I mean, Colorado's got one of the best school systems in the whole United States now. Yeah, but it's all white. Yeah. It's all fucking white, and the Mexicans are on the other side of the fucking town, the Aztecs. Yeah. I mean, you know, Colorado may have that kind of system, but it's generally white. There's That's why. And it, you know, it's a very racist ass place. Even Spear, Spear Boulevard. You guys can go look it up. And my nephew told me too. He said, "Oh, that's the last name of the head of the Ku Klux Klan from back in the fucking day." And they still never changed the name of the fucking road. It's still called Spear Boulevard. That motherfucker is the head of a KKK. And you know what? Yeah. The F the FBI headquarters is ironically on Spear Boulevard. So, what does that mean? You know, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to fucking figure out Colorado's fucked in the head. I feel like I'm always walking in a landmine out here. I knew that when they started shooting people. Yep. There's all kinds of weird-ass shit, too, man. Colorado, it's got its up and ups and downs. The best weed still, man. Colorado's holding the title. I think so. 
not travel through Colorado with a pit bull because they'll shoot it. Yeah. Even if you're just traveling through. Oh, yeah, I remember back in the day when those stories started coming out, too. It's like over 20 years ago now. You know? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, you got to be careful. You can't be coming through here like that. And you can't do a lot of shit. Uh, but, you know, back in the day, before it was legalized, I remember the cops still being pretty hard on on you if you had, like, three joints even or some shit. But now, like my nephew said, who lives out here, and I'm going to put that episode back out, Mom. It's called The House on the Hill. I took it down for a minute because me and my nephew got in the scuff, but I want him to know that I love him, you know. And he's he's a great dude. And well, I hope he hears this. Yeah, but you don't let that get in. No, I had some PTSD on him. I'm not going to fucking lie. You know, I get PTSD on people sometimes. And then I have to go back and apologize. I try to tell him, hey, I didn't ask to be sick. But I do have to apologize for it when I'm back down to normal. Because the people that are subjected to this shit, they, they shouldn't have to fucking carry that weight. I should have to... I should be responsible. and I And I do, man. You know, yeah, and uh, I apologize when I go off on people. Yep. Unless I'm going off for a damn good reason. <laughs> you know, down they can take Well, yeah. You know, because we don't need things going negative and violent. We, you, know, you and I have both had enough of that. We don't need it, but if it happens, I ain't going to fucking go crazy. Yeah. Got that fucking right. You know, especially the way fucking people act these days, very hateful. You know, so it's like, <laughs> I don't know, with all the spite and everybody trolling each other, oh, I, you obviously don't know punctuation. I like that one the most. Who gives a fuck if I use a fucking period or not? Do you know what the fuck it says? Fucking dummy? Can you fucking read it? Can you break it down? Well, you know why some of them are doing that shit, too, is because a lot of the hackers are misspelling shit and using salty punctuation. Don't you feel like on YouTube, though, like half the fuck, it's either like, I think hackers probably can't get into YouTube yet, but then you got the FBI and... Yeah. They got, yeah, they, they fucking yeah. platform that. They platform Facebook. They platform everything. I mean, half my library disappeared from our fucking show, Mom. You know? After that MTV thing. We gotta put that MTV fucking thing out. I don't know how to do it without having the Supreme Court involved. Because I feel like you and I really will end up going to the Supreme Court on this thing. I really believe it, man. And, you know, maybe we'll actually get some fucking justice. Maybe God will let it happen. Maybe he won't. Because, you know, that depends. That depends on the wave of the heart, you know? My presentation as it stands, I'd be telling these fucking 13 robe dicks to go fucking go rub one out in the fucking barbed wire, you know? 
Yeah. Stay the fuck out of my shit. Stay the fuck out of my life. On that end, I have a very Aleister Crowley kind of look at it. <laughs> I'm like, just do your fucking life. Or, you know, hey, Hank Williams, man. If you were minding your own business, you wouldn't be minding mine. Yeah. You know? And I think that is a fucking important factor for people to remember. I like how uh, this one Kyle McLaughlin says it as the evil Dale Cooper, Mr. C on Twin Peaks, Mom. And he says, uh, well, today and tomorrow, I'm going to be busy. That will give you some time to learn how to mind your own business. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> I, it really doesn't take but a few minutes to learn how to do it. And then once you do it, keep fucking doing it, motherfucker. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> well, thanks for spending this outlaw Mother's Day with us out there in Podzine land. I know all you guys probably are a little bit more mainstream and domesticated than me and my mom, but that's why our yeah, show fucking is punk rock and rock and roll. Been 11 or 12 years old, but I've had my adventures. Oh, yeah. We're going to share them for the rest of the days on this damn show as living testimony in a time capsule. And now somewhere out there, these are like radio waves that have been produced, Mom, that are just floating in the outer space. Isn't that cool? Yeah. yeah. And to all those stoner fucking space dicks out there that hear that shit, hope you guys have fun with this fucking show, too. I love you, aliens. Aw. Well, you know, unless you're fucking dicks. Then you guys can go fuck yourselves, too, just like here on Earth. Because, you know... We got enough of that shit to fucking last a life fucking time just on this planet alone. You know, I don't need a galaxy full of dicks, right, Mom? Nope. So any dickheads out there, you guys need to fucking stop and re-look at your fucking shit. Fucking assholes. And I hope this show fucking lightens you up and you become a good person to a point that you just pay it forward. And that's really what this show's about. Because I spent most of my life being a fucking outlaw and a hedonist. I'm still kind of that way, but, you know, I had to spend 20 years kind of being a parent, too. Even though that was a rough patch. Those are like for seasons, like, 10 and 11, huh, Mom? When I finally started talking about my kid. Mom, a little Susie got busted for manufacturing Oh, yeah, fuck yeah. We'll be back after these messages. (laughs) Wait, wait, no. Somewhere in the woods of Deep Barren, a woman and her sons. 
must live in isolation when they come out. It's for one reason only. Now let's see what you brought, Virgo. Some say she spoiled her boys. Some say she drove them mad. No one who found out has lived to tell. You have made your mother very proud. Charles Kaufman's Mother's Day. <laughs> Jackie, Abby, and Trina have come to the wilderness for a weekend of fun. Little do they know that out there something lies watching, waiting. Someone's coming. They're getting closer. There's nowhere to run, no one to hear you scream. When you know how to celebrate, every day is Mother's Day. From the darkest corner of the imagination to the outermost reaches of insanity and terror comes a celebration of mayhem. Charles Kaufman's Mother's Day. No one can escape on Mother's Day because Mother's Day never ends. <coughs> We're gonna finish this motherfucker. Oh man. Because it's like manslaughter. Yeah, it's a class. It's a schedule two instead of a schedule one. But mescaline's a schedule one. When they wanted to get us on the higher charge. But we wasn't worried about it. We went back to the res our respective residents and got copies of our Indian papers and showed up in court. But uh, Rudy Kwan and West Bank Bob, it turns out they'd been following them all the way back from the peyote field. Oh, wow. And it gave them time to retrieve their duffel bag from the bus station and get to the house and throw on some peyote tea before they kicked in the door. Oh, <laughs> Damn. Yeah, it was some real shit. That is set fucking up. real. Set up, and we got caught up in the rapture. So they didn't even really want us. They wanted Rudy and the other boy, and they got it. And then Rudy fucking complained that it was all our fault. No, it wasn't, motherfucker. He got mad because we beat the charge because we had our Indian papers so we could legally possess peyote. And all he had to do was produce his Indian papers because he was the mule. Wow. And if he'd have done that, that would have squashed the whole thing. But he was stubborn and wouldn't do it. So he bit the bullet for the whole thing. Wow. You know? And then wanted to blame me and Susie for it. 
and be all hateful to me in the mail when he found out I was in San Gabriel for the LSD. Oh, shit. I was in prison, too, and he's sending me hate mail at the penitentiary. I finally told him, look, don't let this fucking clown write me no more. I'm just going to tear the letters up without reading them and mail them right back to him. <sighs> Maybe you'll get the idea. That's heavy. That sucks to be getting that shit in, too, while you're in the fucking max. Yeah. It's like, what the fuck, man? Fuck off, bro. I'm already in max for fighting, and I'm in lockdown. And you're going to send me hate mail from the penitentiary next door? <laughs> you went through all this shit, they man. Passed, well, they finally passed the law that people in penitentiaries couldn't write other people in penitentiaries. And that stopped that. Yeah. Because I used to send mail to my dad and he'd remail it from his house to my friends that were in other penitentiaries. It's too bad we can't get our show in there, huh? Prison Pod Zine program, the Triple P. Yep. You know, get that thing rolling. I guess they do have a little bit more advantages than they had back in the day when you were in. Yeah, but they're overcrowded a lot more, too. Because of it, yeah, it's all more accommodating. Meanwhile, and it was some asshole who said it, but he was totally right, man. He was like, how come the prison system's overfilled with fucking rapists and pedophile dicks and fucking elders don't get beds certain beds or foods during the day and all this stuff or like the, the care that they need he's like what the fuck's up with that so sometimes even an asshole can have a, go a nugget of gold you know but that he was totally right on the fucking money i was like yeah that's totally true man plus how much money does it cost to house these motherfuckers you know and over fucking charges that could be fucking handled outside of the system. Like, the way that it's currently built. You know, unless they're really fucking well, just fucked. Seeing Gabriel did something that I was proud of before. Yeah. They started a program where anybody that wanted to could take the courses and become a certified hospice caretaker. And we would hospice all the elders. Yeah. We'd go feed them. I was in sewing class. I'd make them nice, warm, snuggly robes out of donated fleece. You know, make them a nice, long, woolly, warm, fuzzy robe. Yeah. Because as you get old, you find nothing feels better than your soft, fuzzy robe. <laughs> I guess that's, <laughs> yeah, I can see that happening. I see that age coming for me. Well, the warm, comfy robe. It's, it was always cold in the infirmary, <laughs> so I tried to double fleece where I could, you know, to keep them nice and toasty. I'm glad. How you feeling right now? You doing okay? You take a 
was that a bigger hit for you? Yeah, well, I learned what size joints to roll for me so that I wouldn't choke to death all the time. And I got some good, better good pies. <laughs> oh, hey, I wanted to give a shout out to Chuck Rosansky from the Huffing Old Comic, the Huffing Old Comics episode. Oh, yeah? Me and Heather went out to the Mile High Super Center. She's known about it her whole life. She's never been there. I was like, you've what? never been to the world's biggest comic book store out here? And I finally took her mom. And I hadn't even seen how it was up to date. It was fucking mind-blowing. It was mind-blowing how he's got it set up in there. And you didn't pick me up nothing? I did. Oh, I did. <laughs> oh, I can't fucking tell you. I already ruined so many fucking surprises. I mean, dude. I'm like, hey, mom, you know what I got you for a present? And then I give you the present. You already know what the fuck it is. Kind of takes half of it away, right? What you think about that, Mr. Peanut? <laughs> See, I told you about Mr. Peanut. Oh, they had one there, too. They had another one there. I didn't see what they had on it. But I'm going to nerd out for a minute, and I'm going to say that the score was finding a $150 to a $200 Mego Catwoman doll from 19... I think it's from... I think it's a 76, Mom. That was the... Last of the Mego 8-inch dolls that they put out. And they put out Wonder Woman. Supergirl. They put out um, the Invisible Woman. Catwoman. And then they had a Teen Titans motherfucker too. And I can't remember her name. But uh, anyway, I found the Catwoman. It was just laying there. In this Little Mermaid section. And Heather was like, why the hell are you going over into Little Mermaid? It's like, hey, don't be hating on a man that hate that loves some Little Mermaid. Whatever. <laughs> 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 Under the Sea. Probably the worst song ever written. Um, but I... Uh, I don't know. I like the Calypso. He's my favorite character, that old crab. I can't give a fig for the rest of that cartoon, but I love that salty old crab. You know who's a saltier old crab from, like, the undersea movies, Mom? It's uh, Krusty with Don Knotts when he does the incredible Mr. Limpet. Yeah, I love that show, too. That fucking episode. Oh, my God, dude. That That's a whole episode I'm going to do just about that movie and how it affected me when I was a kid. And I I had felt like Don Knotts, you know? Yep. And I felt yep. like, I want to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> you know? movies that I can watch over and over and over again. The Shakiest Gun in the West. Yeah. The Ghost of Mr. Chicken. That a boy, Luther! And Mr. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, don't forget the fucking Apple Dumpling Gang. Oh, yeah, but that's... That's with Tim Conway. I think 
think of that, I think of, uh, damn, who's that other actress? Tim Conway? It was in the Apple Company game. Walter Brennan. Oh. Yeah, which, what, who would he play? He was always a gruff elder. A gruff elder? Yeah. Like, dag nabbit! Yeah, he was in the, <laughs> in the Apple Dumpling Gang rides again. Yeah, man. Dude, that's the shit. I to just to get to see Walter Brent. Well... I gave you that fucking free access Disney Plus shit, so that it's definitely on. If you go to the Disney section and go to the classics, you'll probably find it in there. Well, I was doing that the other day, and I did see the Apple Dumpling Gang. I didn't see the Apple Dumpling Gang rides again, but I'm pretty sure it'd pop up after I watched the Apple Dumpling Gang, you know? Yep. Yeah, I was looking for the Witch Mountain series. Oh, yeah, Escape from Witch Mountain. And Return from Witch Mountain. It's about you, yeah, and Return to Witch Mountain. Yep. All that. And see, I was into the Tesseract. Madeline Langle, A Wrinkle in Time. Yeah. About that, reading that. And what else was I reading? Um. Let's see, Madeline Mangle was my sci-fi. I used to choose like four and five books from the library at a time, but each one would be from a different category or so on. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know you you are one of the smartest people I've ever met. I mean, you I have like this categorical mind that people should not underestimate this. The knowledge is of my mom here, man. She is. Oh, and I play chess. Oof. She'll get you. You think yeah, you got the you think you got the floor, but my mom's gonna pull the carpet out from under your ass. Chess and backgammon and checkers and cribbing. <laughs> nah. I don't know about checkers, but chess is addictive, man. And every time I started playing chess after that. I guess I watched Twin Peaks too much. Twin Peaks coming up again. I'll probably have to do another Twin Peaks episode. Because yeah. I just love that motherfucker. But, you know, I, uh... I could do a whole series on Dark Shadows. We'll have to do that. That, that was like my Twin Peaks. I want to do the one about George Clayton Johnson. And we were buddies at the end of his life, but... He was the guy who created the Twilight Zone. Did you know I was friends with that dude? No. Yeah? And he looked like the guy from Kung Fu. And you know what? And we were sitting here talking about Rod Serling the other day while you were here, and you never even brought that up. Well, I I don't... I, I guess when I think about Rod, you know, he he had such an expansive portfolio, and... Technically, George Clayton Johnson may have created the Twilight Zone, but he put Rod on it on purpose. And he let Rod write a lot of the material, and technically, George Clayton Johnson is on one episode, and he wrote, like, maybe uh, 
five or six tops out of all the series. But, you know, he wrote Kung Fu. But he knew how to put the right people in the right places. Right. He knew, he knew to get David Carradine on Kung Fu. And, you know, that's what my buddy George looked like. He looked like the old Shaolin master from Kung Fu, just a honky version of him. Well, speaking of my gangster tales, guess who I got thrown out of Disneyland for smoking pot with? <laughs> Let's go. What? <laughs> oh, you what? You're fucking with me. Oh, no wow. At Injun Joe's Cave on Tom Sawyer's Island. Oh, you actually smoked a joint. Dude, that's great, man. That's so fucking... I was listening to hear the whispers in the little grotto in the cave, and I said, ooh, that smells good, and an arm reached out and dragged me in and said, here, <laughs> you know? Oh, wow. And I didn't even know who it was because you <laughs> couldn't see. I mean, barely see the <laughs> hand in front of your face, you know? <laughs> and they... All of a sudden, you're busted. Oh, and that's entrapment. Oh, fuck, you know? <laughs> and they put us on this little golf cart, and they take us behind the scenes. And we come out of the tunnels at Main Street, USA, in the Main Street Jail, the Disneyland Jail. Oh, wow. And they just made sure that we weren't carrying any other pot. And, uh said, all right, Mr. Carradine, and that's when I snapped at who he was. Oh. And I was like, holy fuck. So because I was with Keith Carradine, I got tickets to come back the next day, and so did he, and we got asked to politely to leave our marijuana at home. Oh, wow, dude. But they what are us out of the day. <laughs> you have never told me that fucking story, Mom. That is fucking amazing. <laughs> it was like so unreal and surreal of a thing to have happen to you, you know? Well, I'm thankful to have that little no, part I on the show today. Going to Disneyland jail. <laughs> Disneyland like, jail. Fuck, I go to jail everywhere I go, even Disneyland, goddammit. Wow. You know what? I have to take... That's fucked up. I gotta get out of that. You know, there's a Simpsons episode like that, right? Where they end up in in jail at Itchy and Scratchy Land or whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lisa drinks the water and thinks she's Jim Morrison. I am the Lizard Queen. I can do anything. Yeah. And I didn't even realize who the fuck it was. Until we was getting thrown out the place. That's fucking, that's some surreal shit there, Mom. I said, you look like David. He said, I'm his brother, Keith. That's fucking unreal. Was David still alive? Well, I heard the Carradine for one. One of the cops said it, and it clicked in my ear, and I realized what the fuck, and I was going, holy fuck. Because David didn't die until le way later. No, yeah, that was way later. You know that was involved with some fucking conspiracy shit, David Carradine? I imagine. Well, you know what it was. Did you ever hear what it was related to? No. He was exposing pedophiles. 
And then all of a sudden they found him hanged in his resort room in Thailand. You know what his wife said? He was not suicidal. Those are the hazards of the job, you know? I think he was into exposing. He probably was into some radical shit. That's probably how he was connected and suggested by uh, George Clayton Johnson, you know, going back to that. Because, you know, George Clayton Johnson smoked a shitload of weed. You know, there was this one time I was... It was right before the artist Jack Kirby died. From Marvel, and you know, he created almost everything Marvel. You know that, Mom. You there? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. so, you know, I was supposed to go to this, this con, and Jack Kirby died. It was San Diego Comic Con, and Jack Kirby died. So I decided not to go. And my friends were bummed out, but they went anyway, and they took a bunch of acid. And they were, like, fucking running around in luchadores masks around the San Diego Comic-Con, which is the largest Comic-Con in the world, every summer out of San Diego. And uh, they, they said they turned around, and George Clayton Johnson was standing there like a wizard behind this folding table. And he had these gigantic... It was a large folding table, and he had all these fucking cards... And they were like these large style tarot cards, you know? Yeah. And he had Jack Kirby painted the first eight of these cards. And it was the last stuff that he ever drew. That's what George Clayton Johnson told me. Now George is gone. But that was his story. And one of the cards, it had a picture of a little kid throwing a brick through a window. And it said, The Brat. And uh, so when the, when my friends turned around, George's George right away he said one of you is missing, and he goes, "Yeah, our friend decided not to come." And he goes, "Well, here I'll give him something, but this one's for you guys." And he takes the cards, and he's got fifty-two cards. And each one's a a personality that is harmful or detrimental. You know what I'm saying, Mom? You know what I mean by that? Mom? Yeah? You know what I mean by that? The the bad personality traits? Yep. And so he, he lays down the cards... And and they're all they're all symmetrically laid out. And George picks up the middle card and he goes, "This one's me, huh?" Oh my God, the dogs! All right, guys, I'm never gonna get through this fucking story. My mom can't hear me. Never mind. Never mind. Uh, so anyway. <laughs> I'm going to tell this fucking story for Mother's Day, goddammit. Okay, um, so he lays down the cards, he picks up the middle card, it says uh, the devil on it. He goes, this one's me. 
And then he trips him out. He told him it was going to be a show about the devil picking seven personalities every week. And that's what the show is about, taking these seven different personalities that are drawn to hell. That's what the show's about. And it, it really has that Twilight Zone kind of thing on it. But it was going to be called The Devil's Picture Book. And it never happened. I never heard anything back about it. Just a story that my friends brought back. Isn't that crazy, Mom? Yeah. And I it, understand why it never happened. <laughs> he knew I was gone. He drew a picture of Kilroy coming over a wall. And it says, wow, Adam Air, wow. <laughs> and the guy who drew, the guy who created Kung Fu, Logan's Run. Yeah. He did all this shit. He wrote all this shit, man. And he did that little Kilroy picture. I still have it for me. And it says, wow, Adam Air, wow. <laughs> That's all it says. Weirdo. No. <laughs> No, that was a cool gift for missing the San Diego Con that year. But, you know, I have a feeling you and I are going to be at San Diego Con. You know that? You should have heard that laugh in ham radio voice like I did. It sounded really wicked. I think I'm going to market the podcast with my comic books, Mom, somehow. And I think... Reception is terrible at the moment. Ah. Well, tell us a story. Can you tell us one last story so I can shut the fuck up? All right, well. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> <laughs> I know, my 10 minute fucking George Clayton Johnson story. It was a good story, My whatever. Security story was good too. It was. It was That's better. Where it goes, though, weird things happen like that, you know. To us, especially. Yep. I like it. <laughs> Me too. I've been through some weird shit. I've met some weird people in my travels. Yes, indeed. Tell us another one. Close us out, Mom. We got six minutes left. Well, heal. <laughs> A lot of pressure, huh? We're at the fight. We're at the shit alarm. So you got exactly five minutes left. Okay. Well, I was living in this cave in Austin. Okay. And I mean. It was a cool cave, too. It had a natural chimney. There was a formation in the front of it. It was like a table with four chairs it made out of boulders. Wow. And, shit. and uh, that was the front room, and there was a little alcove off to the side where you could put your bedding. And then there was a little cooking area right below the chimney, and there was kind of like a little pantry area. Yeah. And there was a little creek that ran through it where they diverted water to run through it, the Indians had. And uh, it was a snake cave. So when I was having visitors, 
I would run a line of gasoline outside so the snakes knew to stay outside. And uh, Drifter come in one one night in the middle of the night, and I was already asleep. And so he just got out of his bedding and bedded down on the floor, not thinking. Yes. Well, I wake up the next morning. And look over there, and he's got a rattlesnake coiled between his legs. <clears throat> so I kind of casually reached for my machete. And as I'm taking her out the scabbard, she hit her nose. And I just, wham, that, the first thing he sees when his eyes open is me coming down between his legs with a machete. <laughs> <laughs> He said, that horrified him. <laughs> and then he looked down and saw the snake that I just cut the head off of. Damn. And he said, thank you. I said, man, I hurried up and grabbed the gasoline and ran a line out there. I said, don't fucking, you always got to let me know you're coming, bro. <laughs> no shit, he serious. Said, I said, you leave a telegram at the fucking Marshall Ford General Store. Yeah. That's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah, well, the cave was actually off of uh, Cedar Creek. Huh. On the low water side of Mansfield, Dan. Cypress Creek, something like that. It was a creek. But it was a cool little campsite is what it was. Yeah? Yeah. Where was that? Was but the crawfish were big. Oh, okay. I know where you were at. And the <laughs> fishing was good, so everybody ate good. You know what I mean? Yeah. We had, we had people camp down there with families and shit. <laughs> so we'd get the teenagers together and everybody go on snake patrol every so often. And if we caught snakes, they'd be transported out the area or killed. Damn. Better than having them bite the babies. You want your two-year-old to walk up holding a rattler? It's not a good idea, huh? It is a good environment for the kids. They've got to learn nature, and nature can be dangerous. <laughs> Mom, can you hear me okay right now? I wanted to thank you, and I wanted to tell you I love you. I you better than I was. I want to tell you I love you, and thank you for being here on Mother's Day with me today. No problem, son. I'm glad to be here. We got a kick-ass thing going. Hope I see you for Mother's Day next year. <laughs> well, you're always with me. So, I, you know, I'm a spiritual cat, Mom. And I got that Dr. Manhattan thing going on. Nothing ever ends. Nothing ever ends. And this show will never end, no matter... Whenever it really actually does end, it still will never end, man, because we love you guys, and there's heart in this motherfucker.
Well, hope you guys enjoyed that. You heard it straight from my fucking mom, man. She does not fuck around. Don't fuck with my fucking mom. <laughs> and if you fuck with me, you better believe you're fucking with her too. She ain't gonna take that shit fucking kindly. Oh yeah. Nope, she's smoking tough. She's the 420 Grandma Gutter Punk. You can call us at 206-666-5847. You can leave us a couple bucks off PayPal, adam.air.williams at gmail.com via PayPal. My mom needs puppy pads and adult diapers. She's not afraid to tell you. And if you make fun of her about it, she's probably going to kick your fucking ass. Okay? Happy fucking Mother's Day. <laughs> You've been listening to Adam Air MDGED Underground Cartoon Therapy. Get out of here. <laughs>